Okay. I'm going to preach sitting down this morning. I'm one of the people who are sick. So. Let's uh, pray before we go to the scriptures today. Lord, today as we go to get a message from you, a message that is about you, I pray that you really show us who you are, that we get a new sense of your might and what that means for us, that we can trust you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So we're getting near the end of Job. We've got one more Sunday and... and uh, Ash Wednesday, to end up on Job. And we've heard all these perspectives on God from all of Job's friends. Job's friends have been saying, God is like this, and they're leaving out pieces. And God is like this, and they leave out a piece. And finally, we're going to get to hear from God. I think that's the best perspective on God, is what God says about himself. What does God say about God? It's kind of like, you could have any number of people tell you opinions about me. But if you want to know me, ask me. Hopefully I know myself, and I'm not deluded. I don't think God is deluded. But what we've had up to this point is Job is confident that he hasn't sinned. His friends are confident that he has. And so at this point in the story, Job has been, he's just said, you know, if I could only tell God what's going on, then everything would be all right. If I could just talk to God and explain the situation, because I know what's going on, and my friends think they know what's going on, and they think they know God, and I think I know God. If I could just talk to God, I could straighten this all out. Have you ever felt like that with God or somebody else? If I could just talk to them, we could get this all straightened out. <coughs> I'm going to start a story this morning. I'll give you the end later. So when I was in my early 20s, uh, I got chewed out after church by this lady. She was a good friend of mine, and uh, what what had happened was I had started bringing uh, a young lady to church with me, and uh, her name was Cindy, and Cindy and I had a very odd relationship. It was completely undefined by both of us. She was not my girlfriend. I was not her boyfriend. We would both say we were friends, but we did both like each other, but she was dealing with stuff, and it was we had a history and our relationship was just weird. And one of the things that made it weird is when she started to come to church with me, I was one of the few people, my family, that knew she was dying. And so there was one day after church, and, and my friend, our she was kind of starting to mentor and disciple Cindy, but she didn't know about, that she was dying yet. So after church, one day, I see Cindy... In my heart, I am grieving. They sees me, and she sees my expression of face as pining over this young lady. Which, I'm not saying that expression wasn't in my face. This was somebody I loved. But So she came out there, and she, she just tore me apart. She said, she doesn't need this right now, Paul. You just need to back off and don't pressure her and blah, 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 blah. She doesn't need a relationship right now. She, she had no idea what was going on. And she destroyed me that day. But she didn't know. Now we'll get back to that later. And so it was just like, I just wanted to like tell everything right there. You don't know what you're talking about. 
And that's kind of where Job is at this point. He's like, God doesn't know. What does God know? You know, it's one of the contradictions that we have in prayer. We talk to God, but it's not like God doesn't already know. You know, it's right for me to express myself in prayer. And it's also super important for me to listen in prayer. Because God already knows. And so like I said, up until chapter 30 of Job, everyone's been talking about God, giving their own perspective, and now God gets a chance to say, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you what I know. Because remember, if I gain a proper perspective on God, then maybe I can also have that proper perspective on the other things in my life. This microphone acting crazy is going to be a good sermon illustration a little bit later. So we're going to be in Job chapter 38, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. It's not going to be up on the screen, but uh, I'm going to be hopping verses in, in chapter 38. Looking at verse 4, God says this to Job. When he starts, God finally does speak to Job. He says to Job, where were you when I established the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. He goes on verse 8. He says, Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket. When I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place. Verse 12. He asked Job, Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place? Verses 17 through 21. Have the gates of death been revealed? Of deep darkness, have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the road to the home of the light? Do you know where darkness lives? So you can lead it back to its border. Are you familiar with the path to its home? Don't you know? Were you already born? Have you lived so long? What God knows is God knows the beginning and the end. God knows the beginning and the end. Another way of stating that is God knows what it's all about. God knows the purpose. God is asking creation questions to Job. Did you see, Job, did you see in person when I created the earth? When I set out the dimensions of how big the earth will be, when I set gravity into motion, not just on the earth, but the whole universe. Job, were you there when I did that? You can take her to the uh, nursery. The TV's on in there. Contain it. You know, water is a, a natural destroyer of land. But somehow God says, you know, I can keep it back. Did you see how I did that? Okay, this microphone's dying. I'm going to turn it off. Okay, I, I, it's going in and out up here, so I know it's starting to fade. Sitting down anyway. This one gives some more consistent recording. So, 
know, so God has set the whole universe into motion. He set water with boundaries. He asked Job, did you see me set the planets and stars in motion? He says, I got planets spinning. I got them going in orbits around suns. I got galaxies spinning. I've got galaxies going through the universe. He says, did you see when I did all that, Job? Weren't you there? And then going back to the earth, he says, did you see how I formed the earth and like where the water came from? Where did all that stuff come from, Job? Have you even been to the bottom of the ocean? And of course, Job is not that old. Job's old, but he's not that old. And then God asks some end of creation questions to Job. He says, Job, do you know where light stops? It's like, what? Light doesn't stop? He says, do you know where light stops? He says, do you know where life ends? It's like, Job doesn't even know when his own life ends. He's like, do you know when? He's basically asking him, do you know when the end of the time of this earth will be done? There will be, I was there at creation. Were you there? He says, Job, will you be there at the end of creation? And do you know the path from the beginning to the end? God asked Job, are you as old and as eternal as me? Because God says, I do know all these things. I was there. And I am there. And I will be there. God knows. I heard this story a few weeks ago. I can't 100% vouch that it's true because I couldn't find it again later when I looked for it. But as far as I know, it sounded like a true story. The man, the man was in a coffee shop and he overheard two people arguing about a movie about what a certain scene meant. And they were debating this. And he went over and he says, excuse me, I overheard what you were saying. I can tell you what that movie scene means. And they said, excuse me, we didn't ask for your opinion. We're having a conversation here. So he walked away. The man that walked away, he wrote the script. He was the one that could tell them what the movie meant. He wrote it. It's kind of like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in our gospel that we read this morning. Jesus said, well, you've heard it said this in the law, but I'm going to tell you this is what it means. And I, you've heard this, but I'm going to tell you this is what it, the heart of it is. How can he say that? He wrote it. He says, I, I, I came up with all those laws. I can tell you what they mean. That's kind of where God is with Job. I was there. I know it. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He was there. And John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, me. And at the end of time, Revelation, three times in Revelation, Revelation 1.8, Revelation 21.6, and Revelation 22.13, God says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I'm done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
on the first and the last. God started creation and he knows the finish of creation. God knows the purpose of all things. Now, I, got, I haven't gone through them all yet, but I, I got our survey results from our church health survey, and I'm just starting to go through them. And one of the things that I found that, that was good for our congregation is that uh, a majority of you said that, that we know our purpose, uh, both as individually, you know your purpose in life, and as a church, we know our purpose. And I thought that was very cool. Where we are, came up short as a congregation is developing leadership skills so that so we can help you get there, fulfill that purpose. So we're going to be working on that. Because this should be the place, not just where we find our purpose, where we can get there. See, what better place to find my purpose and develop the skills I need to achieve it than with God, who knows what everything is for. He knows what all creation is for. He knows what I am for. Ephesians 2.16 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. (coughs) God doesn't know the beginning and end of creation. He knows my beginning and end. So, you know, I'm in the same position as Job. God knows everything, but God doesn't tell me everything. So I have to trust God. So God goes on, Job 38, verse 22. He continues to ask Job some questions. He says, Have you entered the place where the snow is stored? Or have you seen the storehouses of hail? Verse 24. What road leads to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for lightning to bring rain on an uninhabited land, on a desert with no human life, to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Jumping up to verse 31. He says, can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose its authority on the earth? Can you command the clouds so that a flood covers you? It's another thing that God knows besides the beginning and the end. God knows creation's biosphere. Or another way of putting that, God knows how everything works. He doesn't just know the purpose of everything. He knows how it works. So a biosphere. That is all that is alive and necessary for life. And it includes what's in the water, what is on and inside the land, and everything that's in the atmosphere above. So we call the earth a biosphere. It's a sphere because it's circular, 3D, you know. But we got to think of the biosphere as bigger than just the earth because we actually need stuff that's outside of the earth for our life to work. We need a sun, okay? Um, we need the earth to spin. So there, there's stuff outside of our atmosphere that's part of our biosphere. And what God is saying is, you know, God says, look, Job, 
I control water. He says, I know where snow and ice is kept. We know about snow and ice in Minnesota. We know about it in California too. You know, snow and ice, it's our, it's the idea of our, it's our storehouse for the watershed. And God says, I know where the storehouse for the storehouse is. He says, I move the rain, I move the storms, I move the clouds. God says, I control all the water. God says, Job, I disperse all the light. One of the coolest things about the creation story in Genesis is that God creates light before he creates the sun and stars. God says, Job, I send the wind. God says to Job, I bring life to the desert and I can bring drought to fertile ground. And God even goes big. Job, I control the movement of all the galaxies. God knows how it all works. One of my favorite people to watch is Adam Savage. That's his picture up there. He is very skilled, intelligent, creative. He loves to figure stuff out. He's a technical guy. He's worked on movies, building props and all kinds of stuff. He is like an engineer combined with a designer. Just And he, he likes to, uh, if, he, if he sees something that he wants to, he doesn't just go out and buy it. He wants to figure out how to make it and then make it better. And he's very good at that. Uh, he's got a lot of videos on YouTube. I'm going to show you one in just a moment. But, you know, one of the things, this, this microphone was driving me nuts today. So this is my old microphone. And I used this one up until we started doing video. This is a fantastic microphone. Um, it doesn't get feedback. It stays on my head really good. Um, it gets good sound. I used this one for a long time. Uh, the reason why I stopped using this one when we, because when we started doing video is because we also need to have an aesthetic. And this is considered big. This is a 1990s microphone and for in addition to just people going online that can't make it with us on service our video is also kind of a commercial for us and I don't want somebody looking at our church for this first time seeing that pastor thinks he's blogs in the backstreet boys he's got this big mic now I'm of the right age to be a backstreet boy and so we switched to these <coughs> little mics it's not from a sound perspective, it's not any better than that one. It's just reduced in size. But in terms of hanging on your head, these are lousy. But it looks more professional. I'd hate for somebody to like, hey, I think I'm going to check out Hartwood Church and look on there. Boy, they haven't invested in their technology in like 30 years. So we deal with the little mic sometimes, and I just need to change the battery, and it'll be okay. Well, I'm not the only person who deals with this stuff. Adam Savage, who does a lot of stage stuff, he also deals with this stuff. And so I'm going to show just like a one-minute clip of how he dealt with it. Let's go ahead and show the video. And I've done some stage stuff before, but I've always had that little like Britney Spears mic. 
Yeah. And it makes me feel like a diva. It's not very natural. And I I will tell you, having worn one for multiple tours, um, it never quite molds to your ear correctly. Um, They make new ones that clip on both ears, and I find it's really constricting. Plus, it change on stage. Well, that's the thing. I want my shirt to come off and not (laughs) anything. You want to flex? That's the whole reason I did this. It's just like, oh, shit. Okay, so uh, what I found the last tour, the last couple of tours I did, I was changing my shirt a lot, and it was a nightmare. I was undoing my mic, and I was losing my muffin. <coughs> it was a nightmare. Um, and I got a tip from Penn Gillette. Uh, he does this because they have to do costume changes in Penn and Teller's stage show. Uh, he puts his microphone in his glasses. And so my sound guy, Chris, actually specced a couple of elements, and these are my touring glasses. And the cables go back behind my head. And this is completely, gives me all freedom and a fantastic sound profile. Now, he goes on in this video and he actually makes a pair. This guy knows how microphones work. He knows all, he has all the tools. And he makes a pair of glasses, microphones. I look at that, man, that's so cool. He knows how stuff works. And he can put it together. If I tried to make a pair of glasses, microphones, it would look so bad. You'd like, put on the microphone from the 90s, please, Pastor Paul. <laughs> but he knows how stuff works. And just that gives us just a small taste of what God knows works. Colossians 1, 16 through 18 tells us about Jesus. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and by him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Jesus knows how it works. God didn't just create it. This God is continually keeping creation working. And this is the work of the Son of God. And there's one particular creation that the Son is ensuring keeps working. And that's the church, which you and I are a part of. Gives us a greater sense of Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Jesus keeps it working. This church will reach the lost. This church will make disciples. The non-Christian that I am doing life with will hear the good news. Because Jesus will make it happen. He'll use me. He'll use you. Here's a reason maybe you haven't thought of it this way about trusting Jesus with your life. Think about this. If I have a God-given purpose for my life, if I am in Jesus then I can know for sure that my purpose will be completed. And now maybe that's a selfish reason. But I'm confident that 
what I do matters to God. If my purpose aligns with His. See, if, if what I do didn't matter to God, then God the Father wouldn't have sent Jesus to die on the cross for their forgiveness of my sins. Paul doesn't matter anyway. But I do matter. If what I do didn't matter to God's purpose, God wouldn't have sent the Holy Spirit to empower me to lead a new life. But I do matter. So I can trust God. God knows what's going on. And God knows how everything works. So God goes on and talks to Job. Still in chapter 38, last couple of verses, 39 and 41. He says, can you hunt for prey? Can you hunt prey for a lioness or satisfy the appetite of young lions? Verse 41, who provides the raven's food for its <coughs> when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Then we'll hop up to uh, chapter 39, verse 1. God asked Job, do you know when mountain goats give birth? Have you watched the deer in labor? Can you count the months they are pregnant so that you can know the time they give birth? Verse 4. Their offspring are healthy and grow up in an open field. They leave and do not return. Who set the wild donkey free? Who released the swift donkey from its harness? I made the desert its home and the salty wasteland its dwelling. Verse 9. He talks about an ox. Would the wild ox be willing to serve you? Would it spend the night... By your feeding trowel? Can you hold the wild ox to a furrow by its harness? Will it plow the valleys behind you? Can you depend on it because its strength is great? Would you leave it to do your hard work? Can you trust the wild ox to harvest your grain and bring it to your threshing floor? Yes, about horses in verse 19. Do you give strength to the horse? Do you adorn its neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like a locust? His proud snorting fills one with terror. He paws the valley and rejoices in his strength. He charges into battle. He laughs at fear. Since he is afraid of nothing, he does not run from the sword. Verse 26, he talks about a hawk. Does the hawk take flight by your understanding and spread its wings to the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and make its nest high? In describing all these animals, God knows the nature of beings. In other words, God knows why things happen. He's describing to Job things he might see at various times in nature. He, he talks about how, how animals are driven by their offspring. God knows how and why lions hunt. Actually, lionesses, the female lions hunt. And God knows why the female lions hunt. God knows how and why ravens get food and where they get it from. He talks about animal reproduction. He knows how long a gestation period is for goats and deer. That's something Job could find out, but it's apparently something Job doesn't know at this time. God knows that most wild offspring can take care of themselves to some degree in just minutes. How can that be? Because a human baby needs time. I remember I was out at the nature center one time 
and it was in the spring, and uh, there was a there was a fawn out there, and and this uh, this man was out there with a camera, and and he said, oh, he said, I just saw that fawn. He says it must be just a couple of days old because when I saw it, it couldn't walk. And I said, if that fawn couldn't walk, it was just a couple of minutes old, maybe just a couple seconds old, because fawns can walk really quick. Okay, that's just the way animals work. God knows about survival. He knows, God knows how a donkey can live in the desert where most animals would die. God knows that some animals can be domesticated for farming or for war. He knows that some animals have special skills for running, for jumping, for climbing, for fighting, for sight. And he says the animals themselves don't even know why they do these things. But God knows. You ever thought about this? Do you know how dolphins stay alive while they sleep? Remember, dolphins need to breathe air, and all animals need to sleep. Dolphins have the ability to sleep half their brain at a time. You know, we have two hemispheres, our brain, so do dolphins. They can sleep half their brain, and so that way they can still, the other half of the brain can keep them alert enough to continue to breathe. Now, here's something that I just found out recently, and the reason why I have a cat picture up there instead of a dolphin. Anybody ever had a cat? Okay. Has you ever seen your cat sleeping with one eye open? And it looks creepy. Okay, cats can sleep with one eye open because cats are still predator hunters and cats can also sleep half their brain. And so if your cat is sleeping with one eye open, it's half their brain is alert, keeping the eye open to look for predators while the other half is sleeping. And all this stuff, our science is just now figuring out all this stuff. How animal brains work and how people brains work and all this kind of stuff. God already knew. If God knows all this detail about animals, isn't it just logical to believe that God would also know incredible detail about the part of creation that God created in God's own image. The part of creation that God breathed his own breath of life into. The part of creation that God sent his one and only son to redeem. If God knows the wild donkey, God surely knows me. I have a hard time even knowing me. The Bible affirms this. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful more than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, examine the mind and I test the heart to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. Even when I don't understand myself, God can figure me out. This happens multiple times in the Gospels. I gave Luke, uh, 40, Luke 9.47 as an example. Jesus, knowing, the, knowing their thoughts, da-da-da-da-da, 
He does that several times. He does it to his disciples. He does it to the Pharisees. He just reads their minds. I know what you're thinking. And the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God knows us. God knows me. A great example of this is the calling of the disciple Nathaniel. John 1, 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said about him, Truly, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus answered, Rabbi Nathaniel answered, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? He says, I know you. <laughs> the passage doesn't say that Nathaniel had been happened to sitting under the fig tree. We don't know when he sat under that fig tree, but that fig tree was an important thing in Nathaniel's life, and Jesus just pulled it out. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I know your tree. <laughs> God knows me, so I can trust God. Trust God. God knows what's going on. God knows how everything works. God knows why everything happens. So, Claude and Cindy, it's a few weeks later, and now everyone's in the loop. Cindy has told Claude that she's dying, and I'm over at Claudia's house and she is grieving we still couldn't fully understand what was going on or how it works or why it was happening but we could move forward trusting God for the outcome because we can trust God he knows he knew before we did, and he knew us. Let's pray. From Psalm 119, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. I give thanks to you, with uprightness of heart when I learn of your righteous ways and you do not forsake me. (coughs) Lord, the psalmist put his trust in your law, but the law was a symbol of your covenant with us. You gave us the law because you knew who we are as people. You gave us your son because you loved your people. Lord, life is difficult. It was difficult for Job and it's difficult for us. But we know you know that. And we know you know the end. The end of all things and our end. And our end with you is glorious. So today let us trust in your strength. Revive us individually, and we ask 
for your revival as a church and as a community. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask this in your name, your great name. Amen. Y'all stand, we're going to sing together, Great I Am.